It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Unbelievably, it's already 2014. Uh, You know what that means. It's time to usher in a bunch of New Year's resolutions. Oh, yeah. We've all recovered from some Christmas. We've all added probably 20 pounds of weight. So, Bo, what's our New Year's resolution? Because we kind of share one here at the office. Well, around here at Preston and Cleveland, we have decided that all of us collectively are going to get just a little bit healthier. We're going to push away a few of those sweets, maybe eat a few more salads, drink a little more water, and all take the stairs instead of getting on the elevator. And we made a nice little friendly competition of it for these first few months of 2014. Because what would life be without a little competition? But uh, maybe you're doing something a little bit more productive, like you, you want to listen to more financial podcasts. I know I always say that our first podcast of the year is an exciting one because usually we're, we're welcoming brand new listeners. You know, Santa Claus was good to you and gave you a new iPhone or a new Android device or you found us on Stitcher or iTunes, or whatever you're listening to us on, welcome. I want you to know, I think you have found one of the best resources you can find to really restore order to your financial chaos. And as I've often said, our tagline here also is that we go beyond common sense. And you chose a great time for us to come in, because I'm going to load you up today with lots of good information. The title for today's show is going to be Benchmarking Financial Success. And what that does is it ties into what I get to do on a day-to-day basis. I meet with successful people. I get to talk to successful people and find out what makes them tick, what led them on their journey to reach this level of financial independence. And I'm going to share kind of their secrets today, kind of open up the hood, pull the curtain wide open, and let you see really what's going on behind there. Uh, A little house cleaning, just to, to let you know who we are. Um, my name is Brian Preston. I'm actually a fee-only wealth manager on the south side of Atlanta. We have offices not only in Atlanta, but also in Nashville, Tennessee, Augusta, Georgia, as well as Columbia, South Carolina. Um, we, By training, I'm actually in accounting. Um, by, pra- by training and the fact that I'm a certified public accountant, certified financial planner, and a personal financial specialist, which just means I'm an accountant that does financial planning. I'm joined with, you heard him earlier, that's Mr. Bo Hansen, who's also a certified financial planner. He also has that distinct privilege of being a chartered financial analyst, meaning CFA, that he knows a lot about investments and takes us a little bit deeper into that area of study. And why are you listening to us? I'm hoping you're coming to us because we are going to try to straighten you out, give you as much free, unbiased advice as you possibly can find out there in the podcast realm. Um, We had talked about it earlier in the last episode, and we kind of revealed it. that This is 2014 because of the success of the podcast. You guys, my, my Money Guy family, you've been over the top incredible to us. I mean, if you go out to iTunes and read the reviews on us, minus one or two that we've gotten, um, one primarily. We've had some great reviews from you guys. I can truly feel when I get emails from you and you tell us how much we've impacted your life, you have no idea how much that energizes me to, to see that stuff. So as part of that, to recognize you guys for all the generosity that you provide, 2014 is going to be the year of the big give for the Money Guy Show. And what that entails is, is that we, you know, if we've shared with you guys in the past, every 500 new listeners we pick up on Twitter or Facebook, and we're going to treat them completely independent. So you might want to go sign up for both. Don't just be a Twitter follower. Follow us on both Twitter and Facebook, and we're going to enter you 
within a drawing. And every time we hit a 500 mark, maybe 250, but primarily the 500 marks, we're going to be giving away good products. Like I know um, on the Twitter, we're quickly approaching the next 500-point interval. We're going to be giving away uh, a free lifetime premium membership to the site. I know on Facebook, we're quickly approaching the next 1,000 threshold. We're going to be giving away some Apple products. So go tell your friends, your family, girlfriends, dogs, I don't care who it is, Sign them up because we're going to go ahead and increase your odds every time you do sign up for one of our social media um, tie-in points. Also part of the big give, um, I've shared with you guys, autism is a, a kind of a, it's a disorder that really impacts a lot of households out there. And um, I will tell you, it directly impacts my household. So what we're going to be doing is also as part of the big give is we're going to be selling some t-shirts in the coming months and they're going to 100% benefit an autism charity. And I, I, I tell you when I say 100% because we're even going to donate the cost of the materials. So every dollar you spend on one of these t-shirts will go directly to an autism charity. And we're just as part of just our feeling of just overwhelmed with the generosity of our listeners. And we want to give back to you guys as well. But let's jump right in. Um, Bo, actually, I don't think I gave the, the call letters. Uh, Twitter, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Money Guy Podcast. Facebook, if you want to check us out on Facebook, it's facebook.com, and then obviously the Money Guy Show. If you want to go to our website, it's money-guy.com. Why would you want to go to the website? The website has our show notes, so if you're just following us on the audio side, if you ever hear an article or a resource that you want to go follow, it's probably out there on the, on the website. If you want to have a tool that's going to help you keep up with us, Go sign up for a free membership. What that does is every time you do, a, you know, you sign up for a free membership, we do a new show. We come up with new content. We're going to email you and let you know, hey, there, there's new stuff out there. If you like what we're doing so much that you want to go hear what we've been doing since 2006, there's a premium membership that you can sign up for. Go check that out. Now, here's the part about it being 2014. Two things that I like to do, and I know, Bo, you, you're doing these things as oh, well. Yeah. To close out the year, I think everyone, and I'm so mad that I've only been doing this for the last seven years. Bo, you're lucky that you've, I, I got you doing this habit since you started working. So you're going to be able to have an entire, you know, life of, of what your financial situation looks like. Update your net worth statement. If you don't have a net worth statement, we have a great Excel template sitting out there under the premium section. But what I like about updating a net worth statement, it lets you kind of look at your year and review. Let you see what you've got in assets. Take an inventory of what you've got. It also, if you maybe you're the financial person in the house, your significant other could care less about finances. I slide this into um, one of my wife's dresser drawers every year. I let her know, hey, I've updated a net worth statement. It's sitting there. It's got all the phone numbers. It's got the account numbers. It's got what we've got going on just in case something bad ever happened to me. Uh, but I like it also just from the tool set that I have found, just like with the business, I have spreadsheets and data points that I don't know, it's something magical about when you review your data, it changes your behavior right. subconsciously. Yep. So do that net worth statement to get yourself on the right foot for 2014 as you review what you, you did and what you've now accumulated in the in the past years. Um, the other thing I always talk about, <laughs> it's, it's not popular, but it's tax time. Yep. 2014, we're going to be filing our 2013 taxes by April. So it doesn't take long for those, those documents to start showing up and they show up in force. And I, what I don't want you to do is be a stacker. A lot of people will open their mail in one place, stack it all up. And then it's time to give your accountant or self prepare with your TurboTax. 
And you go, oh, wait a minute. It's in that stack. But that stack also might have brochures that came in the mail, the junk mail that came in the mail, the, your bills. So I'm telling people, do yourself a big favor. Put a folder by wherever you open your mail. Just lay your tax documents in there. It's going to make your life so much easier when it's time to prepare your taxes. You just go grab that folder up from the same stack that you're doing all the other stuff, but now it's at least organized for you. Do that. I think you'll save yourself tons of time. So let's jump into this whole benchmarking of success. Okay. The introduction. Money is one of those topics. I know I grew up in a household where you just don't talk to people about what you have and what you don't have. Right. It's just not right. I mean, it, you want to you want to watch somebody turn red. Watch when a kid asks somebody an inappropriate question about money, and you'll see the, the the blushing occurs almost immediately, and probably that child quickly gets reprimanded. I am fortunate. I tell people that our job is one of those jobs where I get to hang out with very successful people, and part of my curiosity for this job is I like to figure out what makes them tick. Why are they successful over all the other people that are trying to be successful? And the beautiful thing is, I usually get to see what it was. I get to find out what their inside leg was, what their skill set is that kind of puts them above and beyond everybody else. We're going to share that today so that you can take inventory of what you've got going on in your financial life and then use that to expand into some of these concepts that can truly change things. Just tweak them just a little bit, and you'll be shocked at those baby steps, how they lead to true fulfillment of reaching some of your long-term goals. So the first one I'm going to jump into, Bo, deferred gratification. Huge. Maybe one of the hugest financial topics you can even cover, and I would say probably single-handedly the number one most important thing to get a grasp of to truly reach financial independence. You have a you call it something, and I had never thought about it this way. But what do you call deferred gratification? Well, what happened? You know, I was actually I was speaking to a high school class, and you know, when you talk to high schoolers about financial topics, sometimes it gets lost. So I was explaining this concept. Well, this kid raised his hand. and He said, "Okay, hold on, time out." So. So you mean this is like good procrastination. <laughs> and I kind of chuckled because in high school, we were all procrastinators. A lot of people still are. But it was funny, and I thought about it. That kind of is what it is. It's putting things off, but in a good way. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be talking about it more. What I like when we talk about savings and, and doing other things, here's the thing about deferred gratification. It almost can become a bug that you catch. You can become addicted to saving money when you realize your money starts working for you. And that's that's kind of the exciting thing. Dave Ramsey has a quote that I really like. And, and here's the quote. It says, if you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. I mean, that is so powerful if you take it in. What it's basically saying is put off a little bit now. And then once you reach that true financial independence, your friends are going to go, wait a minute. You know, what makes Brian and his wife so different? What makes Bo and his wife so different? They went to the same restaurants as us. They went to the same shows. You know, what they might not realize is that, you know, maybe you ordered water yeah. instead of, you know, uh, the the expensive $2.50 drink every time. I'm not, I'm not, and, and that's some of that's really getting tightwaddish, and right, I have to, right. I'm a self proclaimed tightwad. So maybe that, if you're, you know, that's not what I'm necessarily looking for, but there are definitely systems that you can implement that can help you build that financial independence. Deferred gratification, where this concept really hit me was, it, it, I tell people it's how $100 a month 
changed my life in high school is I had an economics teacher. He was your typical high school economics teacher, his retired military wrestling coach. I kid you not, I couldn't make that up. I mean, it's like a movie script. You have this guy who's like, you know, the rumors where he's like in the Green Berets or something. And of probably, of you course. know, he came to school, and I don't mean to go on a sidebar. He came to school one day with like he was, you know, his face was all bruised up or he had some scratches. And supposedly the story was is that, um, he had he had come upon some woman that was being mistreated and stepped in. So this guy is truly. I say all that to tell you he's a, he was not your typical. Um, he was your stereotypical right, right. burly economics teacher. And he told us in my um, I, I can't remember if it was my junior or senior year, but I still remember him telling us, guys, if y'all could just save a hundred dollars a month, you'll be a millionaire when you retire. He says, I just wish somebody would have told me that. When I was your age. So I want to make sure I tell you guys. And so I don't know if there's a little bit of bitterness on his part that he's getting a little older and realized, but he told us that and it, the light bulb went off. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm the crew leader at the Hardy's drive through. I can make a hundred dollars a month and put that to work. That's, that's not that hard. And I didn't come from money. Right. I mean, I, my mother was a school teacher. My dad was a salesman, never really made more than my mom as a school teacher. So the, hearing that I could be a millionaire by saving a hundred dollars a month, I was like, this is where it's at. And true enough, that economics teacher was dead on. So I tell you that deferred gratification, especially if you're a young person listening to this, get excited. Mm -hmm. Become addicted to saving money. You never hear anybody in, in this society we live in where we talk about people are addicted to food, you're, you're addicted to carbs, you're addicted to alcohol, you're addicted to drugs, you're addicted to spending, you're addicted, addicted to shopping. I'm saying it so much I can't even say it right. <laughs> what you never, never, never hear anybody talk about is being addicted to saving money. Right. The reason is, is because you, they're probably empire builders. Yep. They're the people that you know, we, we come and we have dinners for in the future to, to kind of brag about them. That leads into my second one. My wife's least favorite financial concept that I push, and unfortunately, Bo, your wife, now has this same concept that she can also <laughs> regret that you know about, is I call it forced scarcity. What is forced scarcity? This is a concept I think is pretty unique, and what it is is, as, as I've already told you, uh, my poor wife puts up with a self-proclaimed tightwad. And what I've done is I've created an environment of forced scarcity to ensure long-term financial goals are fulfilled. And, and the way I do that is I have a savings plan that automatically pulls money out of my checking account and funnels that money into specific savings goals. Why do I do that? I have the exact same problem that many of you probably have, is that if money sits in my bank account, it has this magical ability to disappear. I don't know where it goes. I thought that was just my checking account. Yeah, I don't know I if there's holes like in too. my checking account or what, but it just kind of slowly disappears. The same way, I never have a lot of cash in my pocket. If I have a lot of cash in my pocket, I have a tendency to want to, you know, go get a Mick Cafe. Right, right. Go through the Sonic drive through and get a milkshake. When you fill up gas in your car, you go in and get a go candy bar and drink. Go in and get a candy bar and drink. So it's just easier if I just walk around broke. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but it, it really is true. So I have created a savings plan that automatically every month I have money coming going into my high-yield savings account, my cash reserves, because Lord knows we all need to have three to six months out there for those emergency moments. So I have money automatically going into that. 15 to 20% is automatically going into future financial independence retirement accounts. I have 529 accounts for the kids. I even have custodial accounts so that my beautiful daughters, 
when they get older, I can give them the weddings that I know my wife is going to force us to give them. <laughs> so uh, that's the only way I can console myself as a, as a self-proclaimed tightwad. And then if there's even additional money, we prepay debt. Because, uh, man, how incredible is it going to be to can be completely debt-free? I don't think anybody truly is retired until you're 100% debt-free. And I know there's all kind of analytical arguments that you shouldn't pay off all your debt, including mortgage debt. But I think there is an incredible thing that when you reach retirement and you don't owe anybody anything, it makes that transition to becoming a spender versus a saver much easier. For sure. Um, also... I tell you this just because I don't want you to, to to listen to this, especially if you're one of these tightwads. You go, oh, this is the proof I've been looking for. I'm going to get my significant other to listen to this podcast, show her that what we're doing is perfect or what you know what I'm doing is perfect for him. You tell them this and you, and you think that I, you've got your aha gotcha moment. No, 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 because here's the part for them. This is what they'll like to hear. If you do this for scarcity and you do the deferred gratification that I talked about in the previous concept, I'm not trying to create an army of misers. A miser is a person that just builds, builds, builds money. And maybe because we're coming from Christmas, it's very pertinent to talk about Ebenezer Scrooge. The miser of all misers. Yeah, if you want to bring in a a Disney character, because you all know how much I like, you know, Disney, we can talk about, was it Scrooge McDuck? Oh, yeah. You know, Uncle Scrooge McDuck. You know, all of them tied into the Ebenezer Scrooge. And you're not trying to create a miser army of people. What you're trying to do is just create the habit of saving money and, and, and nurturing that saver's mentality so you can build that foundation to, to a future financial empire. And the reason after you do that, there does come a point where your spouse is going to love you or love maybe listening to the show with you. And the fact that I think you can take your foot off the gas pedal right. a little bit. You can pull that throttle back and not save as much because now your army of assets is starting to work for you and it's liberating to know that you can spend money without that guilt of that you're shortchanging your financial future. Well, that's that whole second half of that Dave Ramsey quote, right? Yep. That's the later when you actually get to live like no one else. So that's the part. I, 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 like I said, I don't want to create a gotcha moment where you bring your significant other in and you say, listen to these. These guys get it. They're tightwads just like me. No, no, no. There's another side. There is a payoff. But maybe use this as a tool to show that this is a team effort on both of y'all's part. The next thing that I like to talk about, the concept of financial behavior. You've got to understand the concept of fear and greed and how those two human behaviors work together. It's um, You talk to people and you say, what, is it, what does it take to be successful investing? And, and, and people will tell you, oh, that's easy. All you have to do is you buy low, and you sell high. I mean, and everybody knows that, everybody right? knows that concept. Buy low, sell high. But if if you sit down and you actually take inventory and say, what does that really mean? What does buying low mean? Buying low means you're buying when everybody else is losing their their mind because they're scared to death. Two thousand eight is a perfect example of buying low. Mm-hmm. We had the the markets went down into the six thousand threshold on the Dow Jones. And people were freaking out and saying, and we believe me, Bo, you and I talked about it. You you started working with me in 2008. And the thing that I told you is that your downturns in the economy are some of the economy are some of the best learning experiences that a professional money manager can have. It's because you witness brilliant people, people who are really good at earning money, people who are really good in their careers of study that will panic and call you and say, Brian, I just can't take it anymore. I got to go to cash. 
You got to make it where I can sleep at night. I'm tired of losing money. I can't handle this stress that's coming to me. You have to understand the fear and greed because that is usually the best time to be an investor is when things are cheap. And we're also in a unique time frame right now where things that in the past have been perceived as safe are actually risky because there's a lot of pressure on inflation asset, you know, inflation impacting your cash money. So your cash that you might perceive as super safe actually might be somewhat risky because of future inflation concerns. Mm-hmm. And what has in the past been perceived as really risky is now actually a lot safer because of the way things are being pushed towards the risk reward. You just have to understand that value proposition. There's a research group named group called Dalbar. Dalbar comes out with an annual report called out the quantitative analysis of invest investor behavior. That's a fancy name. It is, you know, and the, they use a, the cool acronym of QAIB, you know, which is that quantitative analysis of investment investor behavior. I like saying it just because it makes me sound makes the southern sound guy sound really, really smart. smart. Yeah. But um what this thing does, every year they do this study and it and I think we're up to 20 years now. I think they're on their 19th or 20th year of doing this research. And what they have found is is that yeah, you know, we all know the S&P 500 does incredibly well. I mean, it average has an average annual rate of return greater than 10%, but yet somehow the average investor is horrible. It doesn't do anywhere near what the S&P 500 right. does. It doesn't do anywhere near what a, a balanced fund does or what an investment advisor working with an individual does. And the reason is is because people get scared. Mm-hmm. When they get scared, they get the heck out of there. You know, they they do sell in the 2008 period, which is the peak financial opportunity to be investing, but they're headed for the exits. But then they're also, these are the exact same people that they wait. Maybe they got out in 2008 because they were scared to death and they sat on the sidelines and then they get to, you know, 2012, 2013 or 2014. Who knows where the top is with this financial market? And they'll, they'll go to a cocktail party and somebody will say, Hey, I made, um, I made 35, 40%. Or maybe I just maybe they bought the S and P five hundred and made thirty percent right. last year. And I'm, I want in on that. I'll buy that. That is where the greed kicks in. And the easiest thing to if you understand this concept, and I, I think I can't do a podcast without bringing up, especially one this important, without bringing up Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett has one of the most profitable statements. And I say profitable on purpose, because if you can understand this, it will help you make a fortune in the long term. This is what Warren Buffett wrote in his 2004 letter to shareholders. It says, investors should remember that excitement and expenses are their enemies. And if they insist on trying to time their participation in equities, they should try to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy only when others are fearful. That is such a powerful statement. It's beautiful. It's like poetry. I mean, it is. It is like for for a nerdy analytical money tightwad, that is like you know poetry. I mean, it, it doesn't rhyme or anything, but somehow it's just beautiful how it's laid out. With be fearful when others are greedy, meaning that if the market is booming, don't be thinking about hey, how can I go get into that, and then be greedy only when others are fearful. He's looking for blood in the yep, streets. That's it. So if you can learn to control those emotions, that next downturn. Or suppose crisis that, that, you know, that we're being told is the crisis that we're about to go over a cliff or something. You'll be in a position to find the silver lining. Turn those lemons into lemonade if you understand that relationship of fear and greed. 
Um, moving on to the next concept, investment path. I, Bo, you, you said this best, um, and, and I'll just quote you. You said, investing is not the complete solution to a problem. It is the path or journey to the solution. That's, that's exactly right. It, you know, and, and I think we, we were talking about this, and, and we are talking about I think there's a lot of people that think that investing is like planting magical beans. Right. That you can, um, I mean, I have an example that we had a friend that we were just trying to help out who was just, you know, a young person, not far from, from you know, your group of friends right. and so forth who decided they wanted to get into investing. Had never invested before. So they had, they had saved up four or $5,000. They were going to open up a Roth IRA. And that's an exciting thing because, uh, remember, I'm trying to turn you guys into addicted to saving individuals because I think once you catch the bug, you have some success, you see that army of dollars that's working without you, use it, you using your hands, your back, your brain. It really is some powerful stuff. So it, it should be an exciting moment when this individual decided to put money into the financial markets. But it wasn't because this person – did one investment, I think it was in 2007 or 2008, and then basically every time he's talked to us ever since then, has talked to us about how poorly he, his investment investment experience yep. has been. And, and I feel horrible about it is because he's not getting the right taste of what your investment path should look like. He thought that he put this one pot of money in, and that's all it would take. He'd be set for life. And that's just not the way it works. There's more that goes into a successful investment path. You've got to do some dollar cost averaging. And I'm about to talk about that. I'll even transition to it. But dollar cost averaging, where you're systematically putting money to work, whether things are good, whether things are bad, that's going to be important. Whether you're reinvesting, are you actually knowing what your goals are? Are you knowing how that relates to where you want to be in 10, 15, 20 years? Investing is not like planting magical beans. Uh, you know, you've got to reaching financial independence is way too important for luck or your unluckiness of that you put things in at the wrong time to be what determines how successful you are. Right. You know, the, that's what I hate it. And this is the stat that I found looking at this person's investment is if you put a one time investment in on October 9th of 2007, you had zero appreciation until after March 28th of 2013. I mean, that's getting close to, to a, a six-year period of time that you wouldn't have made a dime. But, but think about, go ahead. Uh, you know, uh, there, there was just so much opportunity that existed between those two dates. Yeah. If this guy would have just done, I mean, make up a number, $10 a month, $50 a month, $100 a month, how beautiful would that account look? If he'd have been dollar cost averaging all through 08 and all through 09, and here we are with the Dow, you know, and S and P hitting all time highs now, you know, made a lot of money. How much better would he be sitting than that one investment he just didn't have the the luckiest timing on making? And, and that's a great transition point because you're talking about the the S and P and the Dow hitting these all time records. What's the next topic I like to talk about is dollar cost averaging. Dollar cost averaging is one of those concepts that, you know, I figured, you know what, let's go to Wikipedia and see what its definition is. Here's what Wikipedia had to say about dollar cost averaging. It said, investing equal amounts regularly and periodically over specific time periods in a particular investment. By doing so, more shares are purchased when prices are low and fewer shares are purchased when prices are high. 
This strategy is designed to smooth out the risk of investing at the wrong time with large lump sums of money and also to create an automatic investment plan for your long-term investment contributions. You know what I think is beautiful about that definition is what it said to me is what the, you don't have to worry if now is the right time to buy or if now is the right time to sell. With this strategy, you don't have to get it right one time. Right. You don't have to find the perfect buy date and the perfect sell date. Doesn't that take a ton of pressure off of the average investor? And it's it's definitely a no-brainer with your retirement accounts. You know, and one of the things I always like to remind people whenever you bring up retirement accounts, you know, your employer usually a lot of you have employers either have simple IRAs, 401ks, 403Bs, where automatically it's going to have this dollar cost averaging strategy built in because you have money withheld. If you do the salary deferral, it'll be withheld out of your paycheck and go automatically into the plan. You know, every month or every two weeks, however often you get paid, and then buy into the basket of funds that you've chosen. That is so powerful for multiple reasons. First, it's doing exactly what Bo said. Whether things are good, whether things are bad, it's buying for you. But then also, a lot of you guys have matching opportunities at the at, at, at work. And every time I do a 401k, I always tell people, pretend that there's a table outside this room that has just bags full of money. I filled them up myself this morning for you before I came to do this presentation. I put your name handwritten on there, and inside you're going to see is a bag of money for each of you, and it's all tied upon your per, your income. So if you you know if you make a hundred thousand, there's three thousand dollars out for you because I put three percent of everybody's salary. If you make fifty thousand, there's fifteen hundred dollars sitting on that table for you. Make sure when you leave today that you don't you know walk by and forget to pick it up. I make that example every year because. I guarantee it doesn't even have to be 3% of your income. I could put $5.50 on that table with everybody's name on it. Everybody would pick up that $5.50 because just our nature, if somebody's offering you free money, you're going to take it. But yet somehow I see it time and time again. We just did a a, a retirement proposal for um, a group of professionals to be in this profession, you have to have a college degree and then even go get postgraduate type training. And yet their participation rate of their existing retirement plan was less than 50%. I was shocked. And I was like, gosh, if I could just get these guys in a room and tell them about my free bags of money, yep. they would take advantage of it. But what I like about dollar cost averaging and I'm going to give you the t- counter argument because I want to give this thing 360 and let you know we're looking at all angles of this. But what I like about it is we got an email from a listener, and this has probably been a few years now, but he had the greatest quote of what he calls himself. It was kind of a title or a tag of what he, he considers his behavior. He called himself a mental financial mutant. And, I, and I, when I heard that, I was like, mental financial mutant? What is that's kind of cool because I'm kind of a, a mental financial mutant. And I knew exactly what he was talking about with the concept is that with dollar cost averaging, here I have this big basket of money that's already out there in the markets working for me. But it is interesting. I'm buying on the 15th, I'm buying on the 20th, and I'm buying, you know, on like the 5th of each month with my different things, whether it's my girls' custodial accounts, the right. 529s, or just, you know, my monthly investment that goes in for retirement as well as our joint accounts. And I find myself, I know which dates those the, that money hits, and I find myself, if the market's down on those days. A little glim- glimmer of happiness. It's not, and it's, it's really contrarian. It turns you into a contrarian invest, an investor where instead of being depressed 
that my money's um down a little bit. And I, and I don't get down because I just know that it's going to be go back up. Right. It's not one of those things. I have enough faith in the system that the money will make back up. Companies are going to figure out ways to make more money. They're going to continue to innovate. There's going to be more communities and countries that are developing and need resources that the market will go back up. But that day that I was buying, I got it a little bit cheaper. It's like I got a coupon. And that's what <laughs> that's on sale. That's what that's what I like about dollar cost averaging. It really does make you a mutant financial you know or, or I totally screwed that a up. Mental, but a, financial, mental financial mutant. mutant. But that that mentality is what's going to continue to lead to financial success for anybody who can get that concept. And I think that's so powerful. Now there I will tell you there is a counter argument to dollar cost averaging. I don't think there's a counter argument to the to the retirement plan type dollar cost averaging because that stuff is just the way it's structured. Right. But there are people that will say if you come to a lump sum of money, you should just invest it all at once. And there was actually a, a, a Time magazine article that was titled "Is Dollar Cost Averaging Dumb?" and it was a, this entire article was written. And it was based upon research that was done by Vanguard. So this oh, is wow. all. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's all high level stuff, and, and, and I don't even really disagree with their findings because what what. The article said was there's a fundamental flaw with dollar cost averaging lump sums of money and the fact that financial markets have a tendency to rise over time and more often they go up more than they go down. And I get that. Yep. And they even, the, the research, they, here's what their, their data found. And, and the research was over a rolling 10 year period since 1926, those who invested an entire lump sum on day one outperformed those who took a year to, to invest. Two thirds of the time. So, did you hear what it say? Basically, first of all, I thought it was interesting. Ten years. That I, I told you that means somebody is sticking with a plan for ten years. That pretty much guarantees success right. if you've got a diversified portfolio. Um, and comparing that towards to a person that you know, two thirds of the time scares me a little bit. If somebody's in their fifties or sixties, uh, because as you get close to financial and getting retirement dates. Is 66% enough? I mean, if somebody goes say, hey, Brian, we're going to flip this coin three times, two of the times I think it will work out in your favor, um, you know, but there's there's one coin flip that it might not work out. That's not good enough. 66% of probability of success isn't enough for retirement. And, yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, essentially, it's exactly what you said. They said that if you had two people, one invests it all on day one, one takes an entire year to do it. 66% of the time, the person who did it at one time is going to have more than the person who did it over the year. The person who did it over the year is not broke. They, right. they didn't end up with zero money. They didn't lose it all because they didn't win the game. They, st- they might have just left a little bit of return on the table. And so I think the ultimate question you have to ask, and I think this is what you're alluding to, is that 33% chance that you're going to be lower. Are you willing to, are you willing to give that up, give up that 66% chance to be higher, to not maybe start in October of 2007. Yeah. You know, what if, what if you put your lump sum in on, on January of 2008? You know, that's just unfortunate timing is that maybe extra 1%, 2 3% per year worth that additional risk. Yeah, because, I mean, the market loses like 2008, market loses 37%. What does that do to your retirement? Mm-hmm. Remember, what does that do? The research report that I like to say because it makes me sound smart, the quantitative analysis of investment be- investor behavior. Well, if you lose, you take your, just make up an easy number, a million dollars, two million dollars, and you lose 25% in that first year, 
do you keep going with the plan wide open like that you know it was designed for you or do you start going ooh Brian I don't know you know I gave you this lump sum of money you just lost 250,000 if it was a million dollars so you lost 500,000 if we're talking about 200 Guys, I, I, I'm going to have to think about something else. Maybe right. I need a C, maybe I'm a CD investor. Right. Yeah. That's what I see happening. That's what I have seen happen. And that's why I do like, and that's why I'll give you a, a rule of thumb here. I think if you're over 40 and you come into a very large lump sum of money, um, whether it's you sell a business, life insurance, life insurance inheritance, inheritance, even the crazy lottery, you know, if you're one of those fortunate people. You've won the game. Why not take one of those factors that could derail your success off the table? And that's why we do spread that money out over 12 to 18 months if it's a very large lump sum of money. I think if somebody's under 40, no pro- no problem with you. If you're in your 20s or 30s and you come into the little lump sum of money, go ahead and roll it out there. Just understand part of this success that was here for the, to be part of that two-thirds of success number you have to keep your money invested the full 10 years. Right. So you have to understand if you're in your 20s and 30s, you invest this money all at once instead of dollar cost averaging, you're going to stay the course yep. because you understand you're not retiring for 30, 40, 50 years. So you have a little bit extra time there to let it work. Other key concepts to kind of close the show out here. We're going to go through these pretty quick. I want to put this one because it's so important. And you have to say it. You've got to make your money work for you. Mm-hmm. And I've already talked to you guys about you've got to have an army of dollar bills that is doing the stuff so that you no longer have to work with your brain. You never have to work with your back or your hands. Because I know no matter how much you love your job, I love what I do for a living. At some point, I want the opportunity to make work optional. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever retire. But I am doing whatever is necessary to make sure that I at least have that choice because we never know what each day holds for us. Maybe I get disabled in 15 years. Maybe I get disabled in five years. So you've got to make sure that your money's working for you and you have a plan of action to take care of that. Avoiding the financial noise. Guys, I know there's probably always been distractions for investors Things that scare you. I mean, you can go back and look at all the great war, world wars that we've right. had. You can look at all the, the, the natural, natural disasters that have occurred. There's always something that's been out there that scares you and says, maybe I shouldn't be an investor anymore. But I think we do have something going on now that's really come about in the last 10 years that no other group of investors has had to deal with. And that's the advent of the 24 hours, seven days a week. 365 days a year of media. I mean, you can, you can turn on, there's even, I mean, Anchorman 2, the whole Anchorman franchise is to make fun of the fact of this whole concept. This brand new movie, Anchorman 2, is off these 24-7 news cycle. Right. It's so, it's interesting. By the way, I know, Bo, you're making this funny face. If y'all want to see what my wife looks like, I'm not going to say anything other than that. If you look at the funeral scene when they're going to get, which one is Steve Carell's character? Uh, Brick, right? Is that there's right? a blonde yeah. in that prominently in that scene. And then there's also when, who's the whammy? Uh, champ. In the champ scene where they go and he's recruiting and putting the team back together, my wife is in both of those scenes. So if you look for a blonde, she'll appreciate that I gave her a, a shout out. out. But that's that whole franchise, the financial noise can be very distracting. And what I don't, and that's what I think half the problem where I faced in 2008 was my clients 
getting freaked out by what they were seeing in the financial media. I, I would tell them, guys, quit, quit watching that channel. Quit watching the, the rolling ticker scroll across there because that's not how this plan was designed. This plan was designed to look at it in one, three, five, and seven-year increments, not on a day-to-day basis. Because truthfully, financial media should be like watching paint dry. I mean, this should be slow. I mean, this is tortoise and hare type stuff. But it's not because they put two talking, dueling talking heads that are going to fight to the death on two concepts. Never mind if 90% of the of experts believe one way on the concept and only 10% believe the other way. Your cable news network's only going to put two up there, and they're going to treat them like they're equals, right. even though the consensus could be going completely different. So just be careful of the financial noise, and don't let that derail you. Um, I'll move on because I think that's enough said on that. Cost to fund ratio. This is a fun one. I like to talk about this one. Um, I came up with this concept because it's, it's, this is a Brian Preston trademark so th- original. This is one that, you know, I've taken all these things I've learned from successful people, and this is one that my tight wide ways have led to is that all my friends know it now because they will ask me when we go do a vacation, when we go to an amusement park. Here's what the cost to fund ratio is is that it's are you getting your value out of what you pay for services and, and other things. And, and, Can you give us some examples? Yeah, the, the examples. Okay, I go to an amusement park. Amusement park costs me 50 bucks. I ride an incredible roller coaster. I might get off and go, that ride was worth six bucks. Man, that's kicking up the cost of fun. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a, go to a buffet. You go to a pizza buffet and you're excited that they got you know pizza there. You're counting on the pizza, but then you find out they not only have a pizza with this buffet, but they have a dessert part, you know, with even the pull-down ice cream machine. The cost-to-fun ratio just went way up. Through the roof. I mean, because you're getting something extra. That's the type of stuff when you go on vacation and you do other things. And here's what here's the real value. It's kind of fun just to, to, to joke about it. But what I think it also does is it draws your attention to what you're getting for what you spend money right, on. Right. And, that, and that's the big part. That's the concept that I think does lead to success is focusing on what are you getting for what you're spending money on. Um, the other concept, kind of close it out, it's the whole KISS concept. Keep it simple. We'll add the stupid on there right. too just so that it spells KISS. But I see so many people come to us and I look at their past financial documents of so their account statements and it really is like going in a time machine, time machine and looking at their life. I can see what they were investing in in the 1990s because they have, probably might have some technology funds right. in there that I've not even heard mentioned in the last 15 years. Um, you, you might also look and you see that they were loading up on real estate, bank stocks, real estate. I mean, you name what it is. You can see these sector plays. You can see prominent funds that 15 years ago were on the front cover of the magazine as being one of the best funds of 2002. And now you're going, who who still owns that fund? That's a one-star fund now. Nobody buys that fund anymore. But that's what I say. Keep it simple. You know, don't let – don't just – Put yourself out there and have money laying around in all these different pots where it's very complicated, where you're getting 20 different account statements, where your life is just all over the place. Because what I have found is if your life, if you don't keep it simple, you don't really have a handle of what you got going on. And how, if you don't have a handle, how is it going to be efficient enough to where you can take inventory to know, yeah, I'm well on my path to reaching financial independence? That's the big part that I think that a lot of people don't understand when they're when they're going through that financial clutter 
kind of just gums the works up. Guys, first show of 2014. I hope you can tell we have a lot of passion for this. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't mind, keep the good comments coming out there on iTunes, on, on Stitcher. However, you know, whatever medium that you're pulling this, this content down from, just, you know, keep the positive stuff going because this company, well, I'd say this podcast is not supported by any corporation. I'm doing this off the energy that you guys write me and you tell me how we're changing your life. And then I've also been fortunate enough that we now have clients in 20 plus states because of this podcast. So if there's anything we can ever do, if you have a topic, write us. Let us know what we can do to improve the show. Let us know if you want to reach out and maybe you want to have a relationship with us. You can reach me at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com. You can reach Bo, my main man, at Bo, B-O, at money-guy.com. But all things lead back to 2014 is the year of the big give. I couldn't do any of this without the support of you guys. Y'all have made us tremendously successful off of your support, and I just want to thank you guys. And I'm hoping that 2014 is just as good as 2013 was. And I just want to thank you for being part of the family. I'll talk to you in two weeks. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. <laughs>